Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode 52, As Mystical As It Seems. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for another awareness offering. As always, if you would like to support these awareness offerings, the best ways you can do so are by rating and or leaving a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. And if you want to share by word of mouth and social media, that is super welcome. All of these things just help other people find the show. And I really appreciate your helping in that. As always, I appreciate your support by way of presence as well. Thank you for being here, and I'm glad we get to have another little chat this week. So before we get into the chat, let's get into our opening ritual of singing the sound of Om one time. Om is an energy. It is a syllable that is said to contain a certain kind of energy or vibration. All Sanskrit syllables do this one is the energy of consciousness. This kind of pure consciousness, which is said to be, or you could think of as the the essence that holds everything, awareness, consciousness. So we're tapping into that kind of bigness and depth when we sing Om, which is a practice that you can do by singing out loud or just by listening. If you're coming along with me, I'll invite you to first get your body into a comfortable position. You might choose to close your eyes or just soften your gaze by looking down your nose or toward the floor. If it's available to you, you might take a big breath in through your nose or any kind of breath in through your nose. And a full exhale through your nose, clearing some space. Then we'll inhale for the sound of OM together. Thank you for joining me in that practice. And now for this week's discussion. So how to even start? (laughs) This is sort of a, a wilder topic. There's a little more kind of esoteric stuff to talk about today. Um, So first, let's ground it a little bit in the reality that we're sitting in right now, which is that today, the day I'm recording this, is the full moon. Recording this on August 11th, 2022, which is the full sturgeon supermoon in Aquarius. So the moon rises in the constellation of Aquarius. The sturgeon comes from the... All the, all the names that the Farmer's Almanac gives the moon come from a lot of different traditions, some of them indigenous, some of them colonialist. Um, but this one comes from the fact that this type of fish, the sturgeon, is really easily caught in some of the northern lakes this time of year. And then Aquarius, in sort of 
the the mythology of the zodiac is the water bearer. It's actually an air sign. It's associated with the element of air. All the signs are the all the the constellations and signs are associated with different elements. Aquarius is air, but the sort of the symbol the the figure that represents Aquarius is the water bearer, which I always find a little confusing. It's an air sign, but it's a water bearer. But either way, sturgeon moon in the constellation of the water bearer. So we're here on a day where there's a lot of this like water energy in the sort of mysticism and, and mythology and astrology of what kind of what we're underneath, the, the stars and planets that we're underneath right now. And full moons are traditionally associated with the act of release. It is the end of the moon cycle. So they are said to be really charged times to let things go. And I, I associate water energy with letting go a lot of the time. Um, it has that sort of like the it, it's it's cleansing right we use water to bathe ourselves and the movement the motion of water kind of moves things it sometimes takes things and makes them move in certain directions and so there is a, a cleansing or a releasing property to water so that's kind of where we're sitting on the day that I record this. So whether you listen to it today or not, that energy is present. Uh, it's kind of being poured into this, this recording that I'm, that I'm making right now. So already starting to get a little bit, I say I, I'm grounding us because this is what day it is and this is what's happening, but already starting to get a little bit wild and mystical with it. And what I'm talking about today, mysticism, if you will, involves the stars and planets just like you know talking about the full moon but this this goes it zooms out a little bit bigger than just the moon because i was working the other day it was earlier this week i was working and i work from my phone pretty often because i do social media strategy which involves a lot of posting to social media from different accounts um, and i prefer to do that on my phone most of the time so i'm on my phone a lot um which is it's something, right, to be in a position where I'm trying to live with awareness and consciousness as a spiritual practitioner and also by nature of my work be on my phone constantly, um, which can mean that it can be sometimes easy to get distracted when I'm toggling between apps and, you know, the way that social media is, it just sort of literally feeds, we have our feeds, it feeds different content to us constantly. So it's easy to sort of um, have moments in between, you know, posting and working that, you know, content comes up and finds its way to me and I'm, I'm engaging with different things throughout the day. And sometimes that's distracting, but sometimes it's also a gift. And it was actually a gift to me the other day when it happened, because through a little bit of social media scrolling, um, I found this photo from the Hubble telescope of a, of a celestial body, of a, of a thing, of a presence, of an entity in outer space. It's in or part of the Carina Nebula, and it is a, a mountain, essentially. It's a, it's a mass of gas and dust. It's three light years tall, which is not something I can even wrap my mind around. I don't even, my, my human mind doesn't even know how to measure or conceptualize what three light years tall could even mean because it involves both physical space and time. <laughs> so three light years tall and it was captured by the Hubble telescope and it's called Mystic Mountain. 
It is called Mystic Mountain. So I would encourage you, if you haven't seen me posting about it on social media, because I saw it and I did, because it really captured me, and I'll talk more about why, but if you haven't seen it yet, I would do a little little image search and take a look at the Mystic Mountain um, formation in the Carina, C-A-R-I-N-A, Nebula. So I saw a photo of this, of this space formation, Mystic Mountain, for the first time the other day. And I, I'm not even sure how to describe how I felt when I saw it. It was profound, to say the very least, to see this image. Because it looks like a figure. It looks it has a very distinctive look. And I was very, very struck by what it looked like, what it resembled to me as soon as I saw it. I am a student of yoga and yoga grew up parallel to Hinduism. So Hindu mythology influences and is a part of the yoga tradition, though they're not exactly the same. But a lot of the figures, the deities, the the mythological archetypes, whatever um, kind of works for you to think about them, but a lot of those figures are present in yoga philosophy and yoga mythology. And one of them, one could argue one of the biggest deals um, is Shiva. Shiva. Uh, I say Shiva out of habit, like she, like she is, but it's actually closer to Shiva, Shiva. And Shiva is the central figure in yoga mythology because in, in this tradition, he is said to have been the first ever yoga practitioner, first yogi. He's also one of the more powerful deities, gods, in the Hindu Hindu tradition. But one of his aspects is that he's the first yogi. And he is known as the god or the archetype or the energy of destruction because he's so powerful in his mysticism that he has the ability to create and destroy worlds. And one of his stories is that there's this one night where he did this mythical, mystical dance and danced the universe into motion. The motion of his dance catalyzed the movement of the stars and planets. And it's this mystical dance of Shiva, this dance of yoga that keeps the the universe moving and alive. And he's often depicted, there's all these different depictions of Shiva, which I would also really encourage you to look at, especially as I talk about this comparison that I'm making. But there are all these different depictions of Shiva in different forms and doing different things. And one of the more major ones is Shiva Nataraj. Nataraj or Nataraja is the dancer. And so he's depicted as the cosmic dancer and he's got his arms outstretched. He's got one foot lifted to symbolize the fact that he's doing his mystical dance. And one foot always has to stay lifted in Shiva's mythology because the dance can't stop or the universe will cease to exist essentially. So there's this image that I'm, I've been familiar with for many years because I've been studying classical yoga for a few years. But there's this image of Shiva doing his dance. And as soon as I saw this picture of mystic mountain of this space formation, I was just spiritually bowled over because it looks exactly to me at least, and to other people that have seen it and I've spoken to about it since I saw it, uh, but it looks like Shiva, the cosmic dancer, the creator and destroyer of worlds doing his dance. 
Shiva is depicted with a crescent moon in his hair to symbolize essentially his ability to remain reflective and calm, qualities of the moon, um, even in the midst of, of turmoil and chaos and whatever comes in front of him. Shiva has locks. He has long flowing locked hair. He wears a cobra around his neck to symbolize both his commitment to transformation, the transformation of, of yoga, because the, the cobra is a symbol of transformation as it sheds its skin. It also symbolizes not being ruled by fear. And of course, he always has his one foot lifted because he's doing the dance. And if you look at this space formation, which is like something like 7,500 light years away. So who knows if it even looks like that anymore because light years, again, deal in time as well as space, meaning things we see that are certain light years away are in the past. But in this image of this space formation, if you look at it, you can see those elements. There is this like swoop across the top of this formation, the top that looks like the head, that could be the crescent. Part of there, there is truly a part of at the top where the the face would be. You can see this cascading, kind of swirling piece of this entity that truly looks like sh like locks, like Shiva's locks unfurling, like the river. His locks are meant to represent the sacred river, um, the the Ganges, the the sacred river where, in a lot of Indian tradition and Hindu mythology, they say that all life originates. So his his locks flow in that way and you can see them you can see them and then when you move your eyes down to what would be the neck there is this winding kind of arching shape that looks like the cobra wrapped around shiva's neck with its head upright and if you look down it there are there are little pieces of this the mass of dust and dust and gas that look like legs and one of them is bent the knee is bent to make it look like the foot is raised and it looks like shiva nataraj and i you can hear in my voice i'm sure while i'm sitting here talking about this i freaked out and i'm still freaking out about it in the best way and i sent it to one of my and my closest friends and fellow yoga teachers, her name's Allison. She's on Instagram at Recovering Allison Ray. You should give her a follow. My podcast is just becoming like hype woman for all of my people that are great on social media. But there she is. Either way, I texted her. She loves outer space. She is a she's a space is one of her sacred forms. That's how she connects to the sacred. And so I texted her this photo. And all I said was I, a photo of Mystic Mountain, this formation. And all I said was, this photo makes me cry. I didn't say why. And she texted me back in all caps, it's Shiva or Shiva. See, we're still working, working to honor this, this practice of yoga by not mispronouncing terms. But she, like all caps, exclamation marks. And I said, that is exactly what I thought. I didn't want to suggest it. I didn't want to say it to her before she saw it. Um, because I didn't want my suggestion to influence whether or not she saw the same format, the same, the same symbology essentially that I did, but she saw it immediately. And at that, at, at that affirmation of, yeah, what we're seeing is like a, a, a clear representation of this sacred form in our tradition, in the tradition of yoga. In having that affirmed, I lost it. <laughs> I lost my stuff. I cried. I was crying my eyes out. My heart was broken open. 
at essentially at the mysticism, at the beauty of the cosmos, of the, of the universe that our tiny earth is held in, at the perfection, essentially, the, what felt to me very clearly and resonantly like divine perfection because something that has come up in this ancient and time-honored tradition that we've been taught about and that we learn about here on earth is mirrored in this formation in the stars so clearly. That is perfect to me. Perfect. So I started crying. My heart was broken open. I felt touched by the sacred. I felt reminded of the sacred. And it felt like such a blessing and such a gift because I got to sit at my desk having kind of been working and kind of in between work moments. And I got to feel this profound sense of of witnessing the mystical. I got to feel awe. I got to feel wonder. I got to feel just beauty in a sense that was so real in my body, so embodied and so profound. And I felt so grateful. I closed my eyes for a moment and gave myself a few breaths just to feel it rather than continuing to, you know, be on my phone and be in the flow of the day or even, you know, be texting people and talking about this amazing thing. I put it down just to feel it and really appreciate and be with the the mystical moment that I got to have. And I even said, thank you, right? I just gratitude for this moment. And I, as I was texting my friend Allison about our reactions to this incredible kind of space phenomenon, <laughs> um, I said, this makes me feel profound bliss and peace. And it did, and it still does. And I said, everything is as mystical as it seems. And that was really resonant for my friend and for me, as I said it, it was an insight. It was one of those insights that wasn't from me, but through me, um, something that was sort of outside of me, something deeper and bigger and more real than me as a human that just happened to come out of my mouth. Um, and it was really resonant for both of us. Everything is as mystical as it seems. And I felt really connected to that. And, and I felt like I was being taught that by seeing and being kind of blessed by this incredible image of, of something in outer space mirroring another mystical thing that I've learned from the yoga tradition. I really felt that because if something like that can be real, if I can look at outer space and see essentially this mythological figure so clearly that's not even the right word for what I saw but you know if I can look at outer space and see this symbolism mirrored to me so clearly that is an affirmation of how mystical (laughs) this whole thing really is to me this whole trip (laughs) this whole trip as as Baba Ramdas would say he would call kind of the human experience and being alive and existence and all those you know big esoteric concepts the trip right? The trip that we're on. It's just an affirmation of how mystical it is to me. If things like that can exist, if I can see them with my eyes and feel them in my heart, everything is mystical. Everything is as mystical as it seems. And what I think I mean by that, or what I think is meant by that statement, because again, I don't think it it's from me. Um, but what I mean by that is 
you know, those moments in life where we think we get an inkling of something deeper, where it feels like something synchronistic or powerful or sacred is happening, where things are aligning in a certain way or things feel like they have a certain meaning to us. It's often easy to question those because we live in a world that really prioritizes um, kind of the tangible, which is important in a lot of ways, right? We got to stay grounded, but it doesn't quite give us as much space for the intangible. And part of that is like a feature of capitalism. You can't really capitalize on the intangible the way you can the tangible. But because we live in this world, when we have those little inklings of something bigger than us at play, something subtle and sacred and wild, it's really easy to either question them or disbelieve them or kind of tamp them down or reject them because we don't know quite how or we're not taught quite how to to honor them like we do the tangible. But what everything is as mystical as it seems means to me is that all those moments where we think we might be having an experience of the sacred or an experience of something magical or wonderful, we're right. We are correct. Everything is as mystical as it seems. Those moments when we think we're making connections between like different events in our lives and we're thinking maybe this all has a greater purpose or whatever it might be. That's true because everything is as mystical as it seems. Everything is held within the mysticism. We talked a little bit when we sang the sound of Om about everything being held within consciousness, that being the substance, the essence that holds every other thing. And I think the same is true of the mystical. The fact that there is a universe, (laughs) that there is outer space, there are planets, all of the realities that kind of hold our existence are pretty fucking mystical. Everything is held within that mysticism. And that mysticism is present. It is a current that runs through our lives because we are held within it. And so everything is as mystical as it seems. That's the insight I'm taking away. That's the, the affirmation that I am kind of fortifying myself with as I continue to try to live in the world. This world is everything is as mystical as it seems. And I know when I kind of introduce topics and ideas on this podcast, I often also kind of fortify them by clarifying what I don't mean or what they don't mean. And I'm going to do that now too, because I want to just name that what that does not mean everything is as mystical as it seems. What that does not mean is, you know, everything happens for a reason. That every single experience in our lives has to be mystical or profound or deep or, you know, something about our lives, you know, we, we chose every single experience that we have. That can get a little heavy to me sometimes, and I don't mean that. And I also think it can be kind of, it can put a lot of pressure on us if we're trying to, you know, receive every single life experience as mystical. Doesn't mean that. It just means the things that feel mystical, they really fucking are. <laughs> When we, when we have those quiet or, or in-touch moments where we think we're catching kind of a, a whiff of the sacred, we are. Everything is as mystical as it seems. So now let's see if we can travel into one of those quiet moments together and just catch a moment of the mystical and the sacred.
So this is the moment in the Awareness Offerings podcast where we transition from discussion into meditation, into consciousness practice. So if you're not in a position to sit quietly for a few minutes, you might want to pause and come back when you are. If you're ready to go right now, you find your way into any comfortable seated position, wherever you sit to allow your spine to lengthen which means you could be seated cross-legged on the ground in a kind of classic and well-known meditation position. If you're going to do that, please sit on something. I would say elevate your hips with a blanket or a block or cushion or towel, something like that. You don't have to sit with your legs crossed, though. They could be knees bent, legs outstretched, stag legs kind of sweeping to one side. You could be sitting with your back against the wall or support under your knees, and you could be choosing not to sit on the floor at all. You could be in a chair or on your bed. Long spine is the key because it is the kind of central pathway where our energy moves. And so things are more connected and more fluid, moving freely when we have that length in the spine. So going wherever you need to go to find that. And then perhaps settling in by closing your eyes. Or maybe simply softening your gaze. You never have to close your eyes. So you could take a soft gaze down your nose or toward the floor. You might begin a practice of breath awareness here to kind of carve a path for your mind to follow into the moment by following the rhythm of the breath. You don't have to change the breath at all right now. Just observing it as it is, like you would observe the sky. Making note to yourself that you are inhaling and exhaling as those things happen. Inviting your mind, your body, and your focus to land in one place. Centering here. Your thoughts might take you out of that centered space sometimes. Awareness is noticing that too, just like you would notice your breath and then returning to your breath as often as needed for the breath is sometimes steadier and quieter than the mind. And speaking of a quiet mind, my primary spiritual teacher in the lineage of yoga that I study, Majaya Sati Bhagavati, one of her most well-known quotes is, quiet the mind and the soul will speak. We have those moments of experiencing the mystical and the sacred when the mind gets quiet enough for us to really hear and feel and sense them. So we'll work on quieting the mind a bit in this practice today. And one way we can do that, because it's not, not always straightforward, as we know when we try to sit and meditate and the mind you know, fights against us a little bit. So one way we can do that is by giving it something to do other than just to chase thoughts everywhere and grab onto and attach meaning to thoughts. We can give it a task that has more to do with consciousness than with thinking. And that's where silent mantra is a really powerful tool. Mantras that we say in our own mind, really giving the mind something to dance with. So we use silent mantra in this practice. I will invite us back into the mantra of OM, the sound of consciousness. 
You could also use the word consciousness if that resonates more. Because essentially we are trying to center the mind on consciousness rather than thinking to try to quiet it down a little. To get the soul a little louder than the mind. So as you inhale, imagine hearing the sound of Om or the word consciousness resonating through your mind like it's a domed cathedral. Same as you exhale, imagine the out-breath as the sound of Om inside your mind, just beginning to orient your mind toward consciousness. And continue with that practice, inhaling the sound of Om, silent Om. Exhaling the sound of Om within your mind. Starting to train your mind toward consciousness. Kind of hearing the sound of Om inherent on your breath as you breathe in and out. Silent Om in and out. Silent Om. Your mind might still try to win out even over that sound of Om. You try to bring that consciousness to the thinking mind. That's how we start to live our practice and say, that's happening, I'm thinking. Then just return, recalibrate back to the sound of Om in and out on your breath. And you might even imagine it louder even the silent sound getting louder in your mind just to drown out the thoughts if need be as we inhale and exhale. Silent Om for a few more rounds. Wherever you are in the breath, exhale. And one more time together, let's inhale a strong, silent OM. And exhale your silent OM. Then consider releasing the silent mantra, kind of letting it dissolve, just like the sound dissolves into silence when you're doing it out loud. And just apply the consciousness, all that consciousness kind of power that you generated through saying it in your mind, that vibration of consciousness over and over, direct it now toward yourself and just perhaps notice how you feel on the other side of that practice, just a few minutes, how it feels to notice your breath, maybe any shifts in your breath itself. 
any shifts or realities based around how you feel in your body. The energy, the, the mood, the tone of the moment for you. Any emotions that are present or not present. Just observing. Allowing yourself to see yourself beyond the noise of the mind. And if we quiet the mind, the soul will speak. So I'll invite you to take a moment to bring to mind what your, your favorite form of the sacred is, what your favorite mystical thing is, whether that is a deity, right? God, goddess, a sacred figure, Christ, the Buddha, a teacher, mythology, a concept like love or kindness or a natural wonder like the sky or the earth, whatever connects you to the mystical and to the sacred, what lights your heart up in a way that you know, bring that to your mind. And having quieted the mind a bit, see if there's a little more room to feel, to make contact with your favorite form of the mystical. To remember that mysticism exists. And just breathe it in and out for a few rounds of breath, a few moments of presence. Everything is as mystical as it seems. Remembering it in an embodied way. Then taking a deep breath in through your nose. Exhaling through your mouth just to keep it grounded. Energy moving down on the exhale. Let's take two more breaths like that. And one. And beginning to travel back from the internal into the external, maybe blinking your eyes open, moving your body around a bit. But as the external comes back into focus, you still embody the internal, you still embody your sacred experience. So maybe you keep noticing how you feel. Maybe you feel the reality that you've sharpened the lens with which to perceive mysticism because that current is running through each moment. And it's available, available to us and can be you know, peace and comfort and fortification in a world that's real tough sometimes. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. 
My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N, whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>